0: everybody and welcome in to another episode of the couch gm's podcast it is friday january 5th 2024 i actually said it right i'm still not writing it right on my files for work but hey we're <laughs> gonna get there <laughs> i'm your host george kirk joined by the one and only cody Roadcap. happy new year to you cody
1: good i as you were talking about the new year i was like holy crap this is our first show of 2024 it's good to be back i mean it we're just good here. to be back actually my second show. Make sure you check out the bonus episode <laughs> recapping what happened in the first year of the couch World Cup. Do we want to announce the winners here too, or do you want people to just go watch and listen?
0: Man, I was going to give a little shout out to them. So I mean, yeah, let's announce the winners. So congrats to Shelby, Jason, and Kempe for winning their perspective groups in year one. And if you want to go check out who currently holds the rest of the wild cards, make sure you check out the rest of cody's bonus episode but i wanted to give a shout out to them as we finish the fantasy season and this show is going to look a little bit different um moving into this week because you know a lot, a lot of people playing fantasy in week 18 and if, if you, you aren't are playing fantasy in week 18 you're playing wrong i had to jump and we're in not and giving Cody you advice
1: it. yep
0: <laughs> yeah so we're going to do a little bit of dfs action here we're going to give you a breakdown of the nfl playoff preview going into week 18 we're going to hit some news and we're going to get some fantasy awards out today. So you have a lot to look forward to. Still a very packed show, despite us not going with our normal fantasy format. All right, Cody, since we have so much to go about, um, oh, I have to announce also follow us on whatever you're watching us Only on. Only the most important
1: part. <laughs> tell a friend about the podcast, please.
0: Tell a friend to tell a friend and hit that subscribe button and also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We are at the couch GMs. And you can send us a DM with any kind of trash talk you want to talk about how bad i am at doing the intro of the show uh any kind of dfs fantasy advice that you may still need or to get involved in other ways in this podcast like we might have a couch gm's uh playoff challenge coming up soon too so make sure you keep an eye out for that as we get to the nfl playoffs playoff picture coming soon but why don't we just talk a little bit of news cody sit back relax and chat One man who was a really big free agent just a couple of months ago ended up landing on a team that was going to have a bunch of superstars led by Aaron Rodgers, and then that unfortunate Aaron Rodgers injury happened in week one. I'm talking about Dalvin Cook, who went there to play with Aaron Rodgers and company in New York. New York decided that they were going to let Dalvin Cook go and sent him to the waiver wire as he is going to look for a team to sign, to sign with to make a playoff run. He cleared waivers, and it was announced on Thursday that he is signing with the Baltimore Ravens for their playoff run. Running back needy team that lost a running back early in the season and lost a running back just a couple of weeks ago as well. So it seemed like a natural fit and a team that is maybe even a favorite in the AFC, adding a running back late. What do you think, Cody?
1: Yeah, the, the Ravens are definitely trying to keep that Super Bowl logo conspiracy going. Adam <laughs> Dalvin Cook uh, in our, our group chat. Uh, I called this. I said, as soon as he was announced, literally the first thing I said, him joining the Ravens for their playoff run seems fitting. And two days later, he's expected to sign with the Ravens at the time recording this. It is not official yet, so maybe somebody swoops in last minute and this this part of the show will look very comical if you listen to this maybe uh friday or saturday and didn't go through uh the ravens aren't playing anybody this week and Dalvin cook's not going to be good to go but are not going to play this week but i do like the impact of adding another player i still think gus edwards will be the main feature guy there um and they'll probably still use justice hill a lot and he'll just work in a little bit but he, he looked good in purple before and it'll be good to see him back in purple
0: And it's going to be interesting to see what a fresh running back who only has a handful of carries all year can do going into the playoffs. If the Ravens are going to be playing with a lead, they will definitely work in Dalvin Cook with Gus Edwards to try to just, you know, run the ball down teams' throats. Like they have not been able to do quite as well this year as they have in the past. They've been a pass first team a lot of the year, which is not typical Baltimore Ravens football. So if they add that dimension, maybe they can run the gauntlet.
1: And, they have the number one seed after their big win against Miami. So they have two weeks now to get him up to speed playbook wise before they have to play another game. So uh, it's a good fit all around. And I think it makes the Ravens even more of a contender, not by much because they were pretty much near the top of the AFC. Uh, I think we could talk about this too, a little bit when we get to more of the playoffs, but I think this is one of the most interesting years in terms of the playoffs. Like I don't think we truly have, a clear favorite. Yeah, you might say the 49ers and the Ravens are quote-unquote favorites because they're the number one seeds. But I think and I, I might have told you guys to either last podcast or in text or something like that, but I'll say it again just in case it wasn't on the podcast. This has, to me, been the most any given Sunday fantasy football season that I can remember in a long time where literally any given Sunday, any team can win. And it's not a big, like, there's no big shockers. Like, I feel like there hasn't been a huge upset that, you know, nobody was expecting uh, this whole season.
0: Nah, it's 100% true. Because, I mean, you thought that every single, like, you thought every team wasn't going to touch San Francisco. And then you saw them get exposed by the Ravens. The Ravens, as dominant as they have been, they've still been in close games. Like, the Rams took them to overtime. Rams aren't even a division winner. Like, there's a lot of teams that can win against other teams any given Sunday. At this point, you're right. And some of the big-name teams we're used to seeing, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Eagles from last year, all look very vulnerable this year.
1: For sure. I mean... (laughs) you mentioned it and I, I know there was a lot of exciting games this past week. Uh, it was the fantasy championship. So congrats to all the listeners out there that won a championship. Uh, if you finished in second place, I feel your pain. I didn't win a single championship this year, but I have two runner ups and one was by half a point. And it came down to the Sunday night game and some bad decisions were me, by on my part, and it hurts a ton. Uh, but you know, Speaking of bad decisions, late in the game, there was a play we have to talk about, a game we have to talk about. I want to get your thoughts on the Lions-Cowboys end of game. I know at this point, you're probably like, guys, it happened last week. We're tired of talking about it. But I know it happened on Saturday. Real quick, we don't have to spend too much time because it is a little bit of an older topic. But overall, what are your, your thoughts?
0: I think that the refs have some fault in the fact of like, I mean, it's hard to tell what was said when players went up to refs to try to report and whatever, but it looks like the correct player tried to report. So like refs have to be aware in that situation. I know they're juggling a lot of things when you get down to the end of a game or whatever, but if a team is telling you this is what's happening, like you have to accurately be able to depict the correct number is reporting is eligible the lion sending multiple people to the ref is them trying to go you know, gamesmanship with the cowboys it doesn't necessarily even i think matter because it, that kind of like reporting is eligible has to be announced over the loudspeaker to the actual stadium plus i believe the ref also has to go over to the the guy with the sticker that calls out the plays on the defense and tell him as well like i think there's a whole chain of communication that needs to happen so like it wouldn't have really been a oh, we're not sure which one's eligible because they sent multiple people over. Like, it has to be announced. But a little bit of gamesmanship there, I guess, by the Lions trying to do it that way. But So the refs at fault, the fact that, like, he didn't get the communication properly. Again, maybe that wasn't the Lions. I'm going to put it on the ref because it looked like from the video, the correct player was doing the motion of, I'm reporting. Um, but when it comes to the Lions execution, it was still a penalty. The ref didn't get the correct penalty. It should not have been an illegal touching because of an ineligible player touching the ball, but there was an illegal formation because of the way they lined up in a wide receiver on the, I believe it was the top of the screen when you were watching the play covering up the eligible receiver. So it was still a penalty. The Cowboys still should have benefited from the penalty that would not have allowed the lions to get the two. The Lions should have kicked the ball after the penalty. Let's just, like, put that out there, too. Like, it should have went to overtime. Not the Lions still trying to go for two from the seven. But
1: the refs got it wrong, yet right at the same time. So that's a lot to unpack there. Um, One, I will say that was my first thing. It's, like, if it was announced wrong in the stadium, which for the life of me, like, was it announced at all? Because, like, why can't they just be, like, oh, here's Brad Allen, like, they have the microphones announcing the wrong, like, we haven't seen that, so that's a little sketchy on my part for the NFL, but that's just conspiracy theory, deep reddit holes, whatever, that's not the point. Uh, I think, but let's say it was announced incorrectly, I know it's a trick play, but you have to let the ref, you have to signal to the ref, hey, that's the wrong guy that reported eligible, no, this guy is eligible, like, obviously, in a trick play, that gives away, oh, he's the guy, Maybe you have to, you know, run a different play, audible or something, which sucks because it was such a beautiful play. They have a timeout. Play. I can't remember if they had a timeout at the top. Of my if head. they had
0: a timeout, like you could have always called a timeout to reset yourself, re reported. I would th- have to regardless. I don't think they
1: had a timeout because they had to stop the Cowboys on the drive before to get the ball back. Got it. Um, okay. Now, I do think to your point, it, it would have been very close uh, with. Whoever was the receiver on the left side, if he was actually up on the line of scrimmage or not, and if he was the eligible position, Decker could have been the guy on the line of scrimmage. So that would have been very close. But that previous drive that they stopped the Cowboys, the refs also blew the call that it was tripping against – they called it on the Cowboys – When it was really Aiden Hutchinson that tripped, which would have gave them a first down, which means we never would have been in this situation in the first place. So, yes, that's true. I think the moral of the story is all parties are at fault for how it was Mm -hmm. played out, whether that was the Lions by not letting the game go to overtime, whether they reported right or wrong when it was at the seven yard line. Uh, The real problem is in the conversation we should be having is how do we get the referees better? Because we are seeing time and time again that these big games are coming down to quote unquote big moments um where the refs are getting involved they're getting their screen time i'm talking to america here like we've we've seen that and but there is still a parting that's like you the refs are a problem for both teams find a way to put you in a position where you're not relying on the refs to to make or break a call for you to win the game easier said than done
0: yeah amen to that Oh yeah, no, 100%. And it, the easy thing to do is you get down to the end of a game and a call can make a difference. But yeah, the argument is you shouldn't have been in that position either. So it's always the devil's advocate out there that no one wants to hear of like, no, is not necessarily the ref's fault? But why is the NFL the only major professional sport that doesn't have full-time refs?
1: That is the the real question. They they, they make, they make, they're a billion with a B dollar industry. They're the
0: most rich professional sport outlet in the United States too.
1: Yeah. Like the only thing I can think of, and this is by no means a reason not to have full-time refs is because they do one game a week where all the other sports leagues do multiple games a week. So it might be harder for people to do stuff on the side or, which it sounds crazy. I'm a ref on the side for the NFL. Like that just sounds ridiculous at this point, but I'm with you. They need to have full-time refs and, you know, and I get it. Like this isn't a thing where it could have been reviewed, right? Because unless they're going to, you know, make the audio privy to everybody, you can't be like, Oh, we messed up. We initially announced that he was the new eligible guy because that completely changes the defense. They covered the guy that stayed in and blocking. If they would have announced Taylor Decker, they might've shifted something down and he might not have been wide open. It's not something that this isn't, wasn't a reviewable penalty, like, and that's the thing with the. There's a lot of stuff that happens that, you know, should be reviewable. A face mask. That is clear and obvious. Was it grabbed? Was it not? Like, why Why we still have face masks, get called and not called is beyond me. Like, yeah, some things are, you know, you know, slowed down, look a lot worse than they do in real time. And I think they've actually done a decent job of starting to in, include an element of time aspect of some of these things. I mean, we still don't know what a catch is, and we probably never will at this point. And that's a conversation for a completely different day, maybe deep in July when there's nothing going on. We'll try to figure out what a catch is. But (laughs) full-time refs where they're, you know, studying, they're watching film, they're getting critiqued, they're getting a grading system. Like maybe they're getting accuracy bonuses for, you know, someone else in the league office is reviewing and they're being actually maybe making the refs more available to the, the general public like the coaches and the quarterbacks have to a post game conference that everybody can stream but the referee does a it's called the pool report where one reporter is designated to go talk to the referee and he gets to ask like 5 to 7 questions and then he types up the report and shares it with all the other media outlets why can't the referees be held to a higher standard like i think those are all so things that you
0: think that's an accountability thing like if they were forced to talk to the media open like everyone else does like that if, would be an accountability thing
1: yeah if the ref were one and we're going to talk business here too if an nfl plus exclusive was a live press conference after the game from referees don't don't tell me they wouldn't have gotten multiple subscriptions added that night for people to watch that press conference 100% i'm not saying put everything behind a paywall we do enough of that in society but like <laughs> making people more available for accountability you know releasing grades like I don't know what the grading system would be. Uh, I mean, you hear the players talk about it all the time. They do scouting reports on, oh, this crew calls more holding calls. This call is more inclined to throw a defensive pass interference, and they they change game plans and affect game plans already. So, like, get them full time. Get them, and I think it would be better for the league. Like, this play doesn't change. Like, again, I could argue that the Lions shouldn't even have been in the situation. So I'm not saying the Lions aren't you know, at least they're still going to the playoffs. Like, it sucks. As a Packers fan, like, that's not even close to the fail Mary, in my opinion, on how it happened. Because they still had a chance twice to kick Mm -hmm. the field goal, to go to overtime, and try to win the game. But they got mad about the call, so they got greedy, and it cost them the game. Even though the call was bad, they still had a chance to win the game, and they still risked it two more times going for two points. So, at that point, I don't feel... That bad, yeah. The call might have sucked. Maybe it was. And heck, maybe the they both reported, and then they have to go with the first guy that reported. There's a lot of rules in the rule book that I don't know as a fan because I'm not a full time referee. And guess what? That's why another reason they should be full time referees.
0: yeah So I'll I'll end the conversation here with I don't feel as bad for this as I do a lot of these blown calls. I don't even feel bad as bad for this as I do the blown face mask call in the middle of a game that ends up not meaning anything. Because there's so many ways that the Lions could have made it harder on the ref and the Lions should have realized they called the wrong number and called an audible or kicked the extra point, like you said. So I don't really have as much remorse for this, even though as an Eagles fan, I want the, and I like the Lions. Like I wanted the game to go the other way. Like emotionally, I feel like I was charged on this when it comes to actually looking at it from the scope of a game. I don't think it was as bad. And my proposed solution is even if you're not going to get full time refs on the field, get full time sky judges for every game and give them more ability to overturn penalties, throw penalties that are egregious, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, like I I, I know there like the broadcast and stuff like that would be, you know, a lot harder. Like, but like, why can't we get, you know, the refs are on headsets with the sky judge. Or the broadcast booth, like,
0: and it seems like the communication's good. Like these expedited reviews that the sky judge does has been fantastic.
1: Heck, Amazon has now AI speculating who might be the pass rusher. Yes, why can't we get an on-screen? This guy is eligible. Obviously, the people in the stadium won't see it, but the people at home watching will be like, "Oh, well, that guy obviously reported it was announced." This guy, like, if they announce it in the stadium, why can't that be you know a bug that pops up on? the screen sometimes they they announce it and i went back to watch and uh they actually talked about on the broadcast they talked about not decker uh but the other guy that came in for him that wasn't supposed to report eligible and decker was but he also walked over to the ref they talked about him coming in before and you know being an extra lineman and he reported eligible before and stuff like that so like and and Also, I do want to add one more thing. And I know we're talking about this segment more than I wanted to, and probably more than you wanted to the whole, well, Dan Campbell told the referee before the game that this play might be coming. I want you guys to think about a time you got really busy. You you were told something. And then three and a half hours later, you were so busy that you forgot it. I'm sure that's happened to you many of times. You know, it probably happened to you this week at work. So like, let's, I am I am not like, let's support the refs here. But a conversation that this play might be coming where we throw to an offensive lineman, like, did he was like, well, you know, if we get to a two-point, conver- is it a two-point conversion? The guy that we've been bringing in as the extra lineman eligible guy is actually not going to be, it's actually going to be Taylor Decker, our starting left tackle, because we want to throw him the ball. Like, just yeah. think about how convoluted that conversation had to be three and a half hours before it took place where they had to go referee game after. I don't want to hear complaints about, what well, Dan Campbell told them that was coming.
0: Yeah, no, the referee is going to throw that out and just go by the actual protocol for in a game, because even if they would have got it called right, he would not have got, you know, called it correctly and got the right guy reported because of a conversation with Dan Campbell before the game. He would have got it because it got communicated to him more clearly and he actually understood it and it got, you know, through the whole process better. I don't know. I'm with you. It is tough to see a game end that we're talking about the refs again, but this one is not as bad as some of the others. It's just frustrating.
1: For sure. But, you know, why it was frustrating was because of the playoff implications it had on the line. Now, both these teams have locked into playoff spots. It was So it's more of a seeding thing. So, And I guess, in theory, if the Lions would have won, they might have still had a chance at the one seed. Uh, yeah, but that might have been a race to one San Francisco won. I'm not 100% sure in those situations, uh, going into this week, but we had a lot of week 18 playoff pictures. So typically, if you listen to the show, you know, we go through each and every game to either the breakdown, who's playing, who's in, who's out. Uh, this week, it's a lot of out, a lot of backup quarterbacks. Uh, the Browns will be starting their fifth quarterback with Jeff Driscoll this year, uh, because Joe Flacco has already a record right for a playoff position. team. Yes, I'm pretty sure it is. Nice. Uh, the 49ers they're benching pretty much everybody so no uh Purdy uh McCaffrey's a little banged up which is something to monitor going on but they they're, they're resting him Ayuk not playing George Kittle not playing uh Trent Williams probably not going to play probably some guys on defense too I don't again
0: debo I don't think he's playing either
1: Yeah right but again this is why we tell you not to play fantasy football in week 18 uh the Rams they are they can get the 6th or the 7th seed but it depends on it doesn't if they win uh, they're locked in the sixth seed, or they can get the seventh seed. They don't care. They're resting Kyron, Puka, Cooper, Stafford. The Ravens, they're locked in the one seat. No Lamar, no Zay Flowers. You know, Isaiah likely probably still plays, but, like, that's not, you know, and he might not even play because mm-hmm. after him, they're really hurting a tight end. Uh, the Chiefs, they're locked into the three seats. So no Mahomes, no Kelsey, no people on that defense. So,
0: No Kadarius or- Tony, thank God. I mean, no, we're
1: kidding. we're getting a Sam Darnold Carson Wentz game.
0: I am pumped for a Sam Darnold Carson Wentz game. Like who had that? That's going to be card? fire for no apparent reason. That means anything to anybody, but it's going to be so good
1: <laughs> for sure. But uh, <laughs> I, I but that's what I'm saying. Like that's a great reason to, why not to play week eight. You know, week 18 fantasy football. Just wrap it up in week 17. Um, but there are a couple games we still want to talk about. That had the most impactful playoff there. There's a ton of scenarios links in the description. If you want to read all that to the ESPN article that breaks it all down so beautifully. Um, but reminder, there is a game on Saturday. Two games, right? Or just yeah, one? two games. Steelers Ravens, which we're not going to talk about is the first game. Yeah. And the Steelers still have an outside shot at the playoffs uh, with a win. They get in with a loss with some losses. Uh, so we'll have to, that's on the article thing, but the big game is the Saturday night game, which is the Texans and the Colts. Fun fact, this is the first time the Texans haven't played at one o'clock Eastern. That,
0: I, I get it because they were not expected to be this good. Yeah. But you would think that they would have accidentally fell
1: into a four o'clock game in a West coast team at some point you would think you would have thought, but no, that, but they go, they play, you think they no. play the Colts um, on Saturday night and it's in Indianapolis. And this game is winning in. So whoever wins this game locks up a playoff spot, but they'll also, the winner has a chance of getting the AFC South, depending on what the Jaguars do on Sunday. So a lot online on this game, you can see why the NFL won it on a Saturday night as a primetime game for sure. Uh, Texans Colts which way are you leaning how do you think this plays out
0: I really want to say Texans because now they got CJ Stroud back and like I want to see that magical run they've been making continue but every time I've counted out this Colts team they've just shown me how they are a solid team like oh they're a much more well-rounded more experienced team than the Texans are so even with Gardner Minshew at quarterback who's been doing very well this year I'm going to go with the Colts in this one. Um, but the Texans are a team to watch out for in the next two to four years. Yeah. Like a loss to stay out of the playoffs is not a death sentence for the Texans. This is a positive step for them in their rebuild.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I'm, I'm really torn too, because like two weeks ago, like I feel like the Colts played the Falcons. I was like, how are they going to lose the Falcons? And then they got beat by the Falcons. So like, this game is interesting. Now, I don't think there's a scenario where either of these teams can make the playoffs with a loss because they're both sitting at nine and seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they tie and Pittsburgh loses, then they both can make the playoffs that way. So very convoluted. Uh, if I'm understanding correctly, again, like in the description, yes. oh, all of them. Yep, the like, Yeah, know. I'm not getting that.
0: No, I don't know. Um, Sunday. Cody's Packers are in a very interesting game against Chicago Bears. The Bears obviously have a lot of questions of their future on like where it's just what's going to happen with Justin Fields. They have the number one pick locked up from the Panthers pick, not their own. But the
1: Packers are playing a win and in for the playoffs. So what do you think, Cody? Yeah, so we saw this last year. The Packers are winning in against the Lions. And I think obviously these teams are different. Rodgers versus Love. We don't need to go into all that. But I think we, we are in a place where One, it makes the offseason very interesting. So one, if the Packers win, nobody really thought that they would make the playoffs. I mean, they were projected to finish fourth in the NFC North. But if the Bears win, if the Bears go into Lambeau and win for the first time since 2015. Insane stat. They uh, get a victory. And then you start looking at them as like almost like the Lions last year. A team that struggled at first, kind of got a little hot at the end upset a division rival to keep them out of the playoffs in the last week of the season. But they still have the big question mark. What do they do with Justin Fields? There's been a lot of chatter about they want to keep him. Uh, Maybe they will. Maybe they'll trade the pick. Maybe they'll just draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Or one of the offensive linemen. Uh, There's a lot to get into with the draft, but we're talking week 18. So I won't go too much into that. Uh, And the Packers, they've been hot and cold. I mean, they looked really good against the Chiefs and the Lions. Then they lost to the, the Giants and the Buccaneers. Then barely beat the Panthers. And dominated the Lions in Sunday night football. So which team's going to show up? Uh 4 o'clock, 425 Eastern on CBS, which I think is interesting. I don't know the last time the Packers and Bears played on a CBS game. Uh, <laughs> but that's the whole, you know, that no longer AFC NFC thing. And uh, I think that'll be a fun game as well, and probably a lot closer than people think. Because I don't think people realize how much better the Bears defense has gotten since Montez Sweat got traded. Uh, he's been a really, you know piece that gave them a pass rush. They have good corners. So this game might be one of the better games of the week, but obviously a lot of people call me a homework because I'm a Packers fans for saying that.
0: I mean, well, it's just extra heat to oldest rivalry in the NFL. We talked about the Bears not winning in Lambo since 2015. And I legitimately you can clip this if you'd like. I think the results of this game determines how Justin Fields is going to be handled in this offseason. Win, he's still there. Loss I think he's gone and they're drafting a quarterback.
1: So I agree, but I will say how he played. Like if they win dominantly, they would like, I agree that he'll be back if they win because the defense gets, you know, three turnovers and they win on a last second field goal and he doesn't play great, but they still win. Like, I think it's still a conversation, but I could still see them moving on. Um, Okay. And, and, I think the same thing could be said too. like if he loses a close game, I think that makes it more interesting for him being back compared to if, Mm -hmm. you know, they show up and lose by 20, like could make a lot of things differently. Fun fact. And them
0: losing, I mean, gives them a better second draft pick. They can draft an offensive lineman and Marvin Harrison like
1: they have ammo. No, for sure. And uh, I'm going to repeat something I saw on Twitter that I didn't fact check. So disclaimer, it could be fake. Uh, But I think I saw somewhere on Twitter that DJ Moore and Marvin Harrison Jr. are from the same area, and they ran either with each other or against each other in track. I can't remember exactly. Uh, So fun, fun stuff.
0: How long has Marvin Harrison been in college? I mean, it doesn't seem like it lines up that they would have been in school at the same time, I guess. Because I I feel like DJ Moore is probably older than
1: he is is probably what the problem is. So DJ Moore uh this is probably year 5 or 6 for him. So mm-hmm. it would have had it would have been like a senior and you know like an eighth grader playing junior varsity type situation. So I'm not saying they were best buds by any means. Mm-hmm. But like they at least knew of each other. Uh Yeah. Could even have been a varsity and a JV team but because they're in the same area, you know, maybe they practiced together if it was this I I there's have freshmen more a...
0: that make varsity teams if they're special talents too. And if you've gotten this far, like Marvin Harrison, like he'd probably be one of those cases where like he'd be the freshman on the varsity team.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. So Sorry. uh DJ Moore is 26. I know that that is a
0: lot younger than I thought he was. So there's a chance there's like a three or four year age gap here, especially with COVID years in college. Everyone's still a little older coming out of college.
1: And Marvin Harrison is twenty one. So basically like we said It would here. have
0: been a senior freshman situation.
1: Or or of eighth grader playing on varsity sometimes. Yes. That kind of thing. Yep. But with how special Marvin Harrison Jr. is, which we're gonna talk a lot about him in the offseason because we do not leave. The couching podcast is not season only. We're year round. We might take a week or two
0: off after the Super Bowl, but I mean that's we'll talk about that when we get to the Super Bowl. Sunday night football. Super interesting game as well. Another divisional game like they all are between the Dolphins and the Bills. And after the dominant season that the Miami Dolphins have had and the Bills struggling at the beginning and pulling it all together, that loss last week by the Dolphins now makes it a winner gets AFC East between the Dolphins and Bills this week and winner gets the two seed. The twist. If the Dolphins lose, they're still locked into the playoffs. If the Bills lose, they would be eliminated if also the Steelers win, the Jaguars win, and the Texans and Colts do not tie. Yeah. I'm having flashbacks to me and our League of Record when I was going into Monday night as the two seed with a bye, and then end
1: of the night, I was out of the playoffs, but sorry. (laughs) Thanks to those Miami Dolphins.
0: Yeah, so thanks to the Miami Dolphins, you're right. This, this is a game whole was thing. a
1: no brainer on Sunday Night Football. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a great way to wrap up the season. Now, unfortunately, the Miami Dolphins are dealing with injuries. Uh, Jalen Waddle, I don't think, is going to go. Raheem Mostert missed last week. They did lose Bradley Chubb on the defensive side. So very similar to last year that like this team just gets got devastated by injuries. If you remember, these two teams played each other week 17, and then again. Are uh, week eighteen, and then again in the first round of the playoffs last year, if I if I'm remembering correctly, but they had to play. What was his name? Tyler I, Thompson. That guy. Yeah,
0: yeah. And they have two of this year, despite the injuries around him. Right, and Tyreek should be good to go. So, yes, Tyreek missed practice Thursday, still dealing with the personal issue with his house fire. So we would hope everything's still good with that. But when it comes to the injury, even though we saw him in a walking boot on the news on Wednesday. They say he's gonna be good to go with high angle spraying.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I couldn't. As soon as I realized once, once the Ravens won, I was like, "There's no chance that the Bills-Dolphins isn't the Sunday night game, and it should be a great way to wrap up the NFL season, regular season." Yeah, I
0: mean, I think the two slam dunk games that are the win and ends are for like for both sides, like the Packers have the win and in against the Bears, but when you talk about Texans-Colts, has implications on both. Dolphins bills has implications on both. They
1: picked the two b- games with the highest stakes to be the primetime games. All right. And then one more playoff scenario. I know it's not on this list. Uh just to to talk about real quick. Uh but the Falcons, Saints and Buccaneers all have a chance mm-hmm. to win the AFC, not the AFC, NFC South. Uh they're locked into the four seed whoever gets. Buccaneers win, they're in. Uh Buccaneers lost and I guess the winner of the Falcons Saints would be the the winner of the AFC South so but the Buccaneers play the Panthers so if they lose they don't deserve to make the playoffs yes um,
0: that division that at least ended up having you know fielding at least a nine win team it looks like oh uh, maybe not actually they could be an eight nine team in the playoffs from that division I guess but it's still better than we thought it was going to be partway through the season. And the Falcons are that team. That's like, I feel like they're really not good. And then they have seven wins and that's exactly what happened to them last year too. Like, how do they do that? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe they still have the uh, cameras rolling for, for, uh the documentary quarterback. And it was with uh, Desmond Ritter this year. And it was keeping the magic alive like it was with Mariota last year. I don't know.
1: Who who knows? But those are the big scenarios. Again, if you want to read all about the fun stuff, either just Google it or we'll drop a link in the description to make it easier for you guys. Uh, but fantasy break season is over for most of us, so let's give out some fantasy awards.
0: Cody and I handpicked some finalists for five different fantasy awards. Our awards this year are going to be for Fantasy Rookie of the Year, Bust of the Year, Waiver Wire Pickup of the Year, Fantasy Playoff MVP, and Fantasy MVP. We're going to start from the bottom of our list here. With Rookie of the Year, Pre-Show Coin Toss says that Cody's going to get the final say of the first category, but we'll go back and forth introing our nominees cody lead us off with the first nominee for fantasy rookie of the year
1: all right the first uh nominee of rookie of the year goes to the position that a lot of times you're drawing from a bucket that is the (laughs) tight end that is rookie tight end sam laporta of the detroit lions who played in 16 games had 184.9 half point ppr points 11.6 points per game from the tight end position on average. I mean, one, rookies aren't particularly good at tight end position. We talk about that all the time. And he had over 800 yards, over 180 fantasy points. Got to give it out, at least a shout out to Sam Laporta.
0: Mine is a little bit more obscure because maybe the injury bug hit this guy a little bit, but it's at a position that was not particularly explosive this year outside of a couple of guys and this guy you can say for sure was explosive on multiple occasions going down south to miami running back devon a chan is our second nominee and he exploded onto the scene at the beginning of the year with three straight points over three straight games over 20 that first game with the four touchdowns scoring almost 50 half ppr points like I get it. There was a lot of time missed in the middle and the splits with Moster, but man, this guy not only does have a bright future; he won a lot of people, at least six or seven games, basically by himself this year by just popping over
1: twenty. No, you're you're not wrong there. I think you mentioned it though. His downfall for this award might be that he only played in ten games. The next nominee is a wide receiver out west, a guy. That nobody talked about all draft long. I think just this is what makes H Han got a little bit of draft buzz. Yeah. Thinking about, you know, oh, I think he could be good. This guy uh, here, I'll, I want
0: to add to your thing here, too. He was a Mr. Irrelevant in a dynasty draft that we are in that is five rounds
1: long of just rookies. Yes. Now it is IDP. So okay. defensive players were taken multiple over this guy, but in half point PPR. I'm talking about wide receiver Puka Nakua of the Los Angeles Rams, finishing with over 100 receptions, 1,400 yards, five touchdowns, and 239 fantasy points. And because that was announced this past day, a Pro Bowl appearance not that has anything to do with fantasy football, but <laughs> Puka Nakua has a strong case for Rookie of the Year.
0: And I'm going to go to the position that maybe none of us like drafting early, and maybe it's because of guys like this that come out. And there were a lot of injuries at this position this year, too. And this man just balled out as a rookie. We're going to Houston with C.J. Stroud, quarterback for the Houston Texans. Now, I get he wasn't super explosive at times. Cody and I were trying to count how many games he did break 20. But when you consider that a solid quarterback game is 16 plus, it was majority of his games were over that. And he did miss a little bit of time with injury near the end of the season, so it kind of does hurt his case that he did miss a couple of games near the fantasy playoffs. But, man, he saved a lot of teams that
1: lost quarterbacks early. No, I think he makes a great addition. Now, most of these we only have three people for, but there is a couple that we had to give a fourth almost honorable mention. Um, And like George mentioned, I get to make the final pick here. I'm the final say on this one. and really. If you want to play the game, I'm down to two people. And it's Puka who had overall the better season, but it was and Laporta who was a reliable p- person at a position of such instability. Um, So I think Laporta makes a strong case, but I will say the Couch GM's official Rookie of the Year fantasy player is wide receiver Puka Nakua.
0: The man that got tight end one over Mr. Travis Swift himself gets the snub. But no, Nakua came out of nowhere. And we'll see. He's probably going to be nominated for another award further up here. So keep an eye out for that. We're going to move on to bust of the year. And we're going to start off with Mr. Travis Kelsey himself as our first nominee. Because I feel like you had to mention him. He was still tight end too. But we were we've been on this teeter-totter with Travis Kelsey for so long of how early do you draft him? He never really moved past pick eight to 12. We finally say this year is the year that Travis Kelsey is going to be drafted in the mid to early first round and we do it. And Travis Kelsey has his worst year in a long time, failing to break 200 fantasy points in half PPR. It might feel worse than it looks, but he was supposed to give us so much value at a position that no, has no value. And he was basically another one of the pack this year lost in right. that
1: case. I think you're right. I think it's bust because even though he was tied into the position is so, you know, not great. Like, uh, yeah, Sam LaPorta was a, a reliable option. Most weeks. I mean, Kelsey, especially in the playoffs was not very good. And I think that's what hurts the most too. And I think the, the point of this award and George gets the final say of it is Evaluating draft position versus output. And like you said, this guy was taken between pick four and pick eight in pretty much every draft this offseason. And did you get that return of value of the guy that you drafted? Uh the answer is probably no, but I'm gonna give you another guy that was picked between, you know, pick four and eight as well at a more popular position. Uh George probably doesn't like it because he's on his favorite team. That is Austin Eckler. Now he only played in 13 games. Uh typically we like to leave injury out, but I think he played enough that even when he did play, it wasn't <laughs> great. Now he did have he only had five rushing touchdowns on the season. That was a big law for him. Uh now in those games, he still did average double digits in those games. But again, you're taking a guy at that high and not getting the outcome you wanted sounds like a bust to me.
0: Definitely does. I'm going to take us down to the great state of Texas, and we're going to talk about a running back who kicked out another running back there. And I heard a couple of fans of a certain team talking about how what could have been or what they were reminiscing on when they saw a stiff arm into an end zone, as opposed to a guy having a walk-in touchdown from the two-yard line and did not get in the end zone. It's Tony Pollard, if you haven't figured this out yet. Tony Pollard maybe wasn't the worst of the group here. But there was so much hype, and he was drafted in the first three rounds for him to come out and have such a stretch of games in the middle of the year where he just looked dead. He did get it together a little bit and the stretch run towards the fantasy playoffs, but you didn't really see any huge boom games out of him and a lot of duds. It's just the the hype did not match the output even close this year.
1: Yeah, and I think there was a lot of hype going in. Too, which makes this one even so tough because of the whole Ezekiel Elliott leaving. Finally, he's the guy. Last year it was can Tony Pollard play more? Why are you still doing the split with Zeke? Yep. Now this year we thought we weren't going to get it, and it wasn't that great, especially on an offense that put up a lot of points. Like if the Cowboys' offense wasn't one of the top scoring offenses, like this number is even even worse for the amount of production he put up. Uh, and speaking of offenses not performing to the level that we thought they would, we have to go to the great state. Of new york and talk about the new york jets no aaron Rodgers is not the bus because one he was barely drafted and two we keep injuries out of that and but the guy that was supposed to benefit the most for aaron Rodgers was garrett wilson pretty much going right at that two three turn uh depending on the league how the number of people in your league this past season uh again not a terrible uh you know season you know still on a per game averaged average double digits but he had a lot of down weeks including one week where he scored negative as a wide receiver which is not great uh in half point ppr standing at all and a lot of people picked him to be their number one wide receiver they might have went double running back they might have taken it I'm, I'm sure there's somebody out there that took travis kelsey and garrett wilson like yeah and that that stinks because that's two guys on this bus list but george who is your Chicago's bust bus of the year
0: I'm actually between two guys here like you, so I'll explain my thought process a little bit. Garrett Wilson, I want to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt because you do think it would have been better and his draft stock would have been changed if the Aaron Rodgers thing hadn't, you know, had been known before the season started. We might not have drafted Garrett Wilson as bullish if Aaron Rodgers wasn't there, but that's, you know, something we just have to deal with. I'm going to say he was in my consideration, but I'm going with Austin Eckler. Biggest reason is, yeah, his numbers don't look quite as good because he did miss a stretch near the beginning of the year. He came back from the injury, looked solid, but when you needed him most, weeks 11 to 17, he broke 10 half PPR points two times, and one of them was 10.1. So really one boom game at the end of the year. Week 14, 18 and a half. Other than that, a lot of sixes, a lot of threes, a five, five thrown in there, like, it was a horrible performance for him and the Chargers in general in the second half of the year. And he really was not worth his draft stock as high as three in some of the leagues we were in.
1: I know. And you're you're completely right there. And I thought it was between him and even though he still was tight in tune with Travis Kelsey, but you can't give it to the guy that got Taylor Swift this year. So
0: he he, he might have busted on the field, but he won
1: off, I guess. Yeah. So you couldn't <laughs> give it to him. Uh, next category, we've got three more left. Uh, waiver Wire Pickup of the Year. Uh, I know we've been going back and forth, but two of these guys are same nominees, so I'm just going to say them both real quick because we don't need to redo all their stats. Puka Nakua, like you mentioned, fifth-round pick of all rookies in DF. You know He broke onto this team with that 15-target or 15-catch game week one against Seattle all the way back then. And then Sam Laporta, a tight end that might have been drafted as a flyer, but that was mostly Dalton Kincaid was the rookie flyer. Uh, and, San LaPorta became more consistent. So those two guys are up for nomination again. But, George, who is the third guy on this list?
0: The third one is a running back who started the year as a backup out in California. And then his starter got traded to Minnesota, Kyron Williams. So I was the guy who was riding the Kyron Williams train last year when he had a chance to start. And we were, like, hoping he would break out. And he was, eh. Never really had a great game. Now the Rams offense runs through Kyron Williams. So, I mean, like, he was their backup running back acquisition of the year. Maybe he's the waiver wire pickup of the year, too. What do you think, Cody?
1: Yeah, I know this this one is tough for me, right? So, Kyron only played in 12 games this year. Now, he did really good week one, which is why they, they started to trade. They they led to Cam Akers, where he put up 17, over 17 uh half point PPR points. And then he did have two weeks of so you probably went out and spent all that fab on him. Then he had two weeks sub ten before he got back up into scoring. Now he averaged 19.9 fantasy points per game this season, which is an incredible number for a guy that you picked up off waivers. With that said, I going to give it to somebody else because of the games missed. And this might be the most controversial one okay but i'm giving it to sam laporta
0: as waiver
1: wire pickup of the year because puka
0: beats him in the other but laporta beats him here
1: yes puka was by far the rookie of the year but just because of the consistency that sam laporta added now puka was pretty darn consistent too it is neck and neck for this one for sure like i get that but I want to give, and maybe I'm being biased because I've already picked one, and I want I don't want Puka to go to and uh, Laporta not get a, an award. Maybe this is sympathy. I don't know. But give me Laporta as the waiver wire pickup of the year. If I could give it as a tie between those two, I would, but I'll give Laporta this one. No, I mean, I
0: understand why one would win one, one would the other. But when you consider, if you would have told me any other year that I can go out on the waiver wire and pick up a tight end that's going to outscore Travis Kelsey, regardless of the year that he has. I'm going to say he's the wave where I pick up of the year. You're right. It's at a position that nobody can find points and he outscored every other one. So I'm with you. Go ahead. I'm good with that. I can move us into fantasy playoff MVP. One of those nominees is going to be Kyron Williams again. We'll mention him right off the bat because we don't have to go through his stats again, except for the fact that I'll mention he scored in the three fantasy playoff weeks, 22, 16.4 and 29.1. Very solid showing there. Um, but I'm going to introduce our second nominee right away as a wide receiver from Detroit. And that's Amrah St. Brown. Amrah St. Brown also had a great three weeks with 20.7, 22.6 and 19.1. The fun fact with him, that's half PPR scoring. If you change it to PPR scoring, he is the only player non quarterback to score at least 20 PPR points every single week of the fantasy playoffs. That's consistency.
1: For sure. And that just means there's one more guy that is worth mentioning um, for the Fantasy MVP award, and that is CD Lamb. Fantasy now,
0: Playoff MVP, because thank you. Cody keeps forgetting that word.
1: Yes, I keep forgetting the word playoff. It's been a long, a long show and a long pre show getting this ready and picking out the awards and doing all that. Um, now, with that said, it's CD Lamb, 15.1, <laughs> solid week in round one. Then he bumped that up the semifinals to 22.2, but then that final week, he had 33.7 and was a league winner for a lot of people, and that's half-point PPR. It was 40.2 in full-point PPR, and he had 18.6 that first week in full-point PPR, so very close to the the all-20 club with Amra St. Brown
0: very close to the all 20 club and maybe because of the big performances in the fantasy championship from cd lamb and kyron williams this is going to be a little bit controversial but i'm giving it to amra saint brown because of the consistency and him being the only player non-quarterback to score the 20 points per week and we saw in a lot of leagues that cody and i are in that he was carrying teams all the way like you might, you had to survive that CD Lamb week one where he only scored 15. You had to survive the Kyron week two where he only scored 16. Amrah St. Brown was that solid guy that's like, I'm going to give you points the whole way through and you just have to have the players with me to supplement. So the consistency is the big reason why I'm giving it to Amra St. Brown.
1: Yeah, I- I'm cool with that. I thought CD Lamb was deserving. I-, I think they're all deserving. Um, yeah. But, and obviously it's a small sample size, but our league of record, another league that we're in. I think it won, at maybe two one, at least one world
0: cup. Yeah,
1: maybe two. It would be your group group. C. uh, mm-hmm. all had on St. Brown. So fantasy playoff MVP for us, the couch GMs, which leaves us to just regular season, full season fantasy MVP. Uh, and that would be again, CD lamb finished as wide receiver one, uh, and talk, Now, he came on really strong in the second half. A little bit of a slow start, but came on really strong and got that number one uh, seed. So I think he's right back in there talking about potential fantasy MVP.
0: And then we're also going to nominate wide receiver, too, because this man is a potential NFL MVP. And he looked untouchable most of the season, but he's been kind of struggling with injury in the late part. Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill was absolutely carrying every single team that he was on to top records in their leagues. I saw it in pretty much every World Cup league. The Tyreek Hill owner was like the last team to get a loss. They were one or two seeds in the playoffs. Like they were performing really well. Now they had to try to find a way in the late part, which is going to make this interesting, but he definitely is deserving of a nomination for fantasy MVP.
1: For sure. And there's a lot of guys that, you know, you could have put up there. Like I think Puka could have been in this conversation. Kyron could have been in this conversation, guys. We've already talked about. Um, we haven't talked too many quarterbacks, so I'm going to talk about Josh Allen. Uh, the quarterback, he was quarterback one on the season, had over 40 touchdowns, uh, all he had 369 fantasy points. Nice. So nice for him. And he was, you know, he wasn't the top quarterback drafted in most leagues. It was still Patrick Mahomes he was still top three in most places so it wasn't like it was pretty much between him Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes and being the top three drafted at some point and he delivered uh and I think you deserve some credit for delivering on the draft position that you are drafted in
0: definitely and speaking of draft positions that were high but someone who delivered Christian McCaffrey is our other fantasy MVP nominee Now, his resume, I think, comes down to one big number. So he was number two among all players, including quarterbacks and fantasy points this year. He put up 357.8. If we switch that to just skill position players, he outscored number two scorer, which was CeeDee Lamb, by 51 points. That is an absolutely huge gap. Now, the thing that hurts his is you had to spend a number one overall pick on him. It was expected. Or two. Or two in Justin some Jefferson cases. I think the
1: top pick a lot of places. Oh yeah,
0: sorry, you're right. It was Justin Jefferson and most. So a top two pick on Christian McCaffrey to get him. So you obviously spent a lot of draft capital. You expected that number, but he delivered to a point where he gave you a pretty big gap over the rest of the league. So he definitely has a strong resume coming into this.
1: Yeah, before you make your announcement, which I think we all know where you're leaning, but I just want to- It's give your you announcement, actually. Oh, it is my announcement. So, wow, you're right. It is. Look at me. Go. We made it. All <laughs> right. But to add on to your how dominant his season was and why he should be uh, the actual front runner for NFL MVP, and we're going to talk about NFL awards probably that week between the Super Bowl and our <laughs> probably Pro Bowl week because they announced it the week of the Super Bowl, or maybe we'll just wait to that week. It doesn't matter. Stay tuned for that. Chris McCaffrey, you switched that to half point PPR mm-hmm. from our to full point PPR from half point PPR. Yeah. He's the number one scorer in all of fantasy football he outscored josh allen by 30 points if he would have played this week he would in full point ppr he would have broke 400 fantasy points for that that's absolutely insane christian mccaffrey is the no-brainer fantasy mvp
0: not nothing bad to say about the other three nominees here because they absolutely had amazing seasons and I mean, I know they were all top two round draft picks, but these guys hit so big that it doesn't matter. Like you weren't trying to find the value in this pick, but Christian McCaffrey's numbers were absolutely insane. He fell, you know, he did get 2000 all-purpose yards and 21 touchdowns. Absolutely crazy.
1: Yeah. If you want to give one knock for him, he had his worst performance in championship Sunday. Yeah. 9.8 points. That would be the only knock. And it
0: was because of injury. I would like to believe he still put up 20. Yeah.
1: I, I'm I'm with you. I think that I think that is it. So before we get out of here, we got one more new segment, which I'm going to vamp while I try to find my button. There it is. Uh instead of doing actual fantasy breakdowns, we're going to do a little DFS face-off.
0: So Cody and I didn't really discuss how we wanted to go about this one, but a little bit of background about what we're doing here. All three couch GMs, me, Cody, and Tyler, put together a DFS lineup that includes every single game except for game one on Saturday because it does not let us do a full 16-game slate on DraftKings. Not a sponsor, but could be. Um, And if you don't exactly know how Daily Fantasy works, they give you a budget and every player has a salary amount and you have to build a lineup inside of the salary number. So keep an eye on our social media. We're going to post our lineups after the show and probably have a little vote on who you think is going to win our DFS showdown. And we'll give you the results as well at the end. But do you want to just go ahead and announce lineup by lineup here, Cody? Or do you want to go position by position?
1: Let's go position by position so we can include Tyler. in. so we'll just go around Robin. Uh, I have Tyler's pulled up as well. So if you want to announce yours, then I can announce mine and then announce Tyler's. If we
0: want to do that. Okay. So we'll start at quarterback. We'll just start right from the top. Um, I went with Jalen Hurts because, number one, I mean, he was still quarterback two on the year. It was kind of a little bit of a pay on that one, but I'm trying to find guys that are playing games that mean something. 81. 8,100.
1: 8,100. All righty. So for my pick, I paid the most for quarterback, and I took Josh Allen in the Sunday night game. Uh, $8,300. You'll see where I had to make some sacrifices later. But I went with Josh Allen. Okay. Uh, and then Tyler, uh, he went with the cheapest quarterback at $7,200 and Justin Field. So he'll have a little bit more money for some other players later than me and you. Uh, but that's kind of where our quarterbacks are at. So no same players quite yet.
0: No. So we can move to running backs, and my running back one, again, I was trying to find guys who were playing in games that matter, and I really like that Miami-Buffalo game as games that matter. Looking at the fact that Raheem Mostert might not go, I went to A. Achan, trying to find that big boom, and they're going to have to use him, especially without him, without Mostert or Waddle. I uh, expect him to be a big weapon in that game.
1: And how much did he cost?
0: 6900 so a little bit of value if he ends up being an RB1.
1: Yeah, so I did not do that. I did not spend that much because I had to save some money from the quarterback. Um, I went with a guy that just came off a huge week. Uh, I think it's divisional, and I think he will want to do the same thing again this week. And they're still playing, even though that they have the second overall pick. That will be James Connor, uh, going up against the Seattle Seahawks, who ranked thirtieth against the run for sixty one hundred dollars, and then Tyler. Uh, This one surprises me. Maybe Mm -hmm. he forgets that he's probably not going to play, and he might switch it beforehand. But as of right now, he's going with his first running back, Jerome Ford, for $5,600. But again, he might need a a friendly reminder, hey, Browns are resting their starters.
0: He might. So we'll see if that one changes and we'll adjust accordingly. I actually also have a $5,600 running back as my RB2, but it's Ty Chandler. So I'm hoping that the Vikings are going to get a little bit of traction against Detroit. Detroit, they don't have much to play for, but it's a divisional game. I mean, we'll see how it goes. But Ty Chandler, I'm trying to have him relive some of those really big games he had. And if not, he's still been scoring like 7 to 10 points a week. It's solid
1: for an RB2. And then for me, my next running back would be (laughs) in that Saturday night game, uh, Devin Singletary, 6000 budget for him. Uh, the Colts are currently the 29th ranked team, and he's been playing pretty good as of late. So I really like the value for him. It uh, helped save me some money elsewhere. And then Tyler, I'm just going to call him a homer, but it also is good value. I tried to squeeze him in, but I ran out of money. Uh, Derrick Henry versus Jacksonville and what might be Derrick Henry's last game as a Tennessee Titan always does pretty well against Jacksonville. So I really like that pick for Snyder.
0: I do too. That was the one homer pick he could have made that I was like, yeah, that one makes sense to me um wide receivers then I have my wide receiver one as somebody that might surprise you to pick because I don't like him at all but it's a little bit of a value for a guy that's been performing lately 5,500 for Terry McLaurin
1: wow you're actually gonna go Terry McLaurin well I have a guy that's 5,500 as two as I'm still trying to save money for the quarterback but let me get that quarterbacks one of those quarterbacks weapon and it just feels like a Gabe Davis week you know Flying up and down the field, a little bit of quarterback stack, action, $5,500. So could be a zero, could be a 30. That's the swing of <laughs> Gabe Davis. And then for Tyler's first running back, he sticks with the homer thread. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to give – I already mentioned it, so I'll give him this guy because it is three wide receiver. Uh, the first guy, and it just put the guy to the lowest budget. He needed a lot of money for a guy that he spent up on a little bit later. Uh, but this one, first one, Traylon Burks, 3400 Sticks with a Tennessee Titan.
0: That's his value pick that he probably feels most comfortable with, you know, knowing what's going on. He's, he's hoping for a couple of catches, maybe a touchdown if he gets lucky. So can't say I blame him too much there. This is my wide receiver spend up as my next guy. I spent 7,200 on this guy. Uh, maybe not the absolute, like to the top of the budget wide receiver. I could have picked, but someone who's been doing really well lately too. Seattle wide receiver, DK Metcalf.
1: Interesting. So, both Tyler and I so actually I don't want to I don't want to spoil it. I should stop talking ahead of myself. <laughs> Just go by position like we said we we're going to go. So wide receiver 2 for me on my list is a guy I also paid up for uh for $7400 uh and that is Mike Evans against the Carolina Panthers in a must-win game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not
0: bad. I tried to fit him in, but when my budget went through, I'm like, DK Metcalf is going to have to beat my Mike Evans because it's $200 different. I was that far off, but he's someone I looked at.
1: So speaking of Seattle, Tyler, another budget guy for $4,800 is rookie wide receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba.
0: There's been some touchdowns hitting on that one, so I can't say I blame him for going for that one. That's a boom pick, but it's not a bad
1: one. All right. What do you got as your third and final wide receiver?
0: Somebody you were talking up a lot last week and he did have a decent week, but maybe not a ton game. That doesn't really mean a whole lot to anybody, but could bring some points to me. 5,400 for Jacoby Myers.
1: Interesting. So I have, my guy is also in a game that doesn't matter. Uh, and I need a little bit of value. He's actually been pretty good for fantasy. The last has, I think four now four straight weeks over 10 points and half point PPR. And his top two guys are going to be sitting. So he could be even a bigger part. And that is DeMarcus Robinson of the Los Angeles Rams for $4,500.
0: Okay. I mean, he's somebody I was looking at too. I just don't know how much I can trust it. Um, Bro, like, we debated splitting him the ball. back and forth. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Um, I don't know. We'll see. And then this is the one pick. Hang uh, on. We're on the tight end. Sorry. Oh, I got wait. Tyler. No, I got yeah, Tyler this is a big Smith. one, too. I'm My bad.
1: $8,600. $8, <laughs> the fantasy MVP playoff MVP on Ross St. Brown.
0: That's where all those budget-wide receivers were coming from because he paid up to get on Ross St. Brown, and that might work for him. It could. Okay. Now we're on the tight ends, and this is the guy that I was – we were putting this together pre-show. I'm like, I'm going to add this guy because it's going to make Cody laugh. Let me go get something here. Cole Commit. My secret Santa gag gift, a Chicago bear shot glass. that has been sitting back here kind of hiding. <laughs> Figured Cody would enjoy that. Yeah. Cole Komet. It's Cole Komet. How much? $4,500. All
1: right. I'm not surprised you picked him. My guy is $4,200. That is Dalton Schultz, tight end of the Houston. Again, another game that has a lot of playoff implications could potentially be high scoring. Uh, seems like a safe play. Not a guy I'm expecting a lot of points from, but just get me a couple. Yep. And then on Tyler's side, uh, this was an extreme. I need to save some money after that. on am St. Brown with a whopping $3,100 tight end Cade Otten.
0: He hopes he gets a touchdown. He had he well, hopes- a couple of good weeks in the middle of the year. Uh, now that's, that's a budget saver. He's going to try to have his big guys carry him. So, Hey, we'll see if it works out. That's you kind of need one or two of those guys to boom. And that's where my flex pick comes in. Cause this is my budget saver at running back, a guy that I'm hoping booms on against a guy that Tyler picked that might not play. So we talked about Jerome Ford on Tyler's lineup might not go the guy who's going to go for Cleveland. Most likely is Pierre strong jr. Uh, he's my pick at 4,000.
1: I like it. I like it a lot. So my flex is actually a guy that's already on Tyler's team. Uh, I did go with rookie wide receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba in my flex spot for $4,800. So really like him in the flex. And you might be going, man, where's Tyler's all his money? Well, his next, his flex pick, he goes back to Seattle. He drops $7,200 on DK Metcalf. So So we both have DK Metcalf. You both have DK Metcalf. Me and him both have Jackson Smith and Jigba. But that just leaves the defense, which could be the big difference maker between all of us. It could.
0: So I had to save a little bit of budget on defense here as well. I suppose I had to pay up on quarterback and such. So $2,800 for the Denver Broncos defense, which has not been awful in the second half of the year and facing Vegas. So see how that goes for
1: me. All righty. I got to spend a little bit more on defense. I spent $3,100 on the Detroit defense against the Minnesota Vikings, uh, Nick Mullins will be the starter in that game again. But he likes to turn the ball over, so and I'm also hoping Detroit comes out a little pissed off, hoping to uh, you know show the league you know how good they are in this Week 18 matchup after they took after like we talked about at the beginning of the show. So last pick in the DFS faceoff is Tyler's team. He spent the most on a defense. He took the New York Jets uh, 3700 against the New England Patriots, so he's hoping for some points there as well but that could be like, a
0: big difference there
1: it definitely could be but that is our dfs face-off like george mentioned we'll post it somehow um and if you like this maybe we'll try to open this up and get people involved more and more and we're just playing for free not not any money on this one i know dfs is a big you know money maker for DraftKings, kings and a lot of people like to pay for a little little money uh but that pretty much wraps
0: You're just skipping your uh, oh, your fun little. Right, that's you great. have you have something
1: else here. I do, I do, and uh, I don't have the right bumper, but I'm gonna play it anyways. Thank you for reminding me. We always forget this segment.
0: Does anyone recognize the music?
1: What is it? That would be Tyler's oddball fact who he is not here. So I am taking it and I've completely forgot. So I need to uh, uh, pull it up real quick. So George, do you have any speculations on what this might be?
0: I'm assuming, okay, this, if I nail it, I'll be shocked. Uh, Amount of teams left in the hunt with one week left in the season.
1: No, it's not that
0: there's a lot though. I think that might be near a record, but That's something for you guys to go check out on your own Google searches or on X, Twitter, whatever. Uh, There are a lot of teams left in the hunt, and it might be a record. Not going to go on record and say that that's for sure.
1: All righty. So because it's Packers-Bears week, and I'm a Packers fan, (laughs) big oldest rivalry, had to give a little bit of of a jab. Jordan Love's first year starting. Uh, In after the week in Minnesota... If Jordan Love's statistics would rank him number one as a Bears quarterback season all time, with 3,800 passing yards and 30 passing touchdowns, where the all time leader in Bears history, their 103 year history, is only 3,838 yards and 29 passing touchdowns. The Bears have never had a 30 passing touchdown season from a quarterback. So,
0: and they've also never had the 4000 yard season from a quarterback, which I believe makes them the only franchise in the NFL that hasn't
1: probably. I, that's not my oddball fact. <laughs>
0: I'll just add on to your oddball fact, but no, that like I know he's not a rookie, but a quarterback in his first year starting can beat every Chicago Bears quarterback and we're not even adding the extra week. Like I want to hammer that one home for you too. Like it's a 17 game season like has traditionally been and he still would have beat them he's just adding on to it now that's absolutely insane
1: yeah definitely insane and i'm sure bears fans are going to be like in our mentions if the packers don't pull this one out (laughs) uh but we're not going to cut those negative facts in there thank you for reminding me of that segment hopefully you all enjoyed the dfs uh the fantasy awards make sure you're checking us out on social media where we'll see all those things posted if you want to get involved in next week's cfs or our playoff challenge that we're going to talk about next week. Make sure you drop a comment or let us know. I'm Cody Roadcap. That's George Kirk. We will talk to you all next week.